It's Pandora's Lunchbox. This is a show about food. Long-time listeners will know this as the official Pandora's Lunchbox theme song. How will they know? They'll know by the fact that I've never played this before in my life. Santa Claus, also known as Fat Daddy. That is Fat Daddy by Fat Daddy. That was performed by Fat Daddy, and that was on the John Waters Christmas album. And who is Fat Daddy, if it isn't obvious by now? Fat Daddy was Baltimore's one-time coolest rhythm and blues disc jockey, says Mr. John Waters on the liner notes to the CD. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and it's a show about something or other. Uh, today I'm going to talk about haggis. I'm going to talk about other strange things. I'm, I'm feeling kind of directionless. This time of year, I, I, easily, I get I easily confused get, and it becomes speak to difficult. So we're going to start here with an Associated Press article. This is called this. This is titled "Gingerbread Nazi Artist." Um, Ohio artist offers legless Santa and crazed tree. Do you see how one could get confused? This is from Oberlin, Ohio. Naturally, a Northern Ohio artist known for envelope pushing. Holiday Displays is back, with Santa Claus in a wheelchair being pushed downstairs by a crazed tree. The Santa in Keith McGuckin's installation at the Oberlin Public Library has no legs because of an accident involving alcohol and some power lines. That should be a lesson. An accompanying narrative explains that the tree later goes off to a strip club with money from Santa's Salvation Army kettle. McGuckin's holiday creations have been raising eyebrows for years. His 2006 gingerbread Nazis drew so many complaints he was forced to remove them from a hardware store window. Library director Darren McDonough says the latest display is staying. He says that if a library doesn't have something that offends, it's not doing its job. 
And that's something we can all get behind. This statement not approved by the Regents of the University of Michigan. This is also in the news right now. The Mexican bakery company, whenever there's a massive conglomeration involving food, we need to let you know as soon as possible so you can make plans to buy products that are all consolidated under one very large banner here at Pandora's Lunchbox. You know you want to know, and I want you to know you know. So, Mexico's Grupo Bimbo has bought a U.S. bakery division. The Mexican bakery giant Grupo Bimbo is buying the U.S. subsidiary of Canada's George Weston Limited. Got all that down? For $2.3 billion, making it one of the world's largest bakery companies. Weston Foods, Inc., which is, remember, the U.S. subsidiary of Canada's George Weston Limited, got all that, makes bread, rolls, muffins, bagels, and sweetbreads at 22 U.S. plants. The brands include Entenmann's, Entenmann's, Thomas, Arnold, and Bubbly, and Fred, too. Fred is in there, too. Bimbo's general director, Daniel Servitier, says that the acquisition is the most important in the 63-year-old company's history. Bimbo operates in 18 countries, and so there you have it. I don't know what you have, but you have it, and, 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 and there it is. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and I just found this recently in Canada. Speaking of which... This is Grupo Bimbo is a bakery giant. We're going to go to a tiny bakery a little bit later in the show, and we're going to talk about a haggis. It'll all make perfect sense at some time later in your life. But in the meantime, here's Ian Dury and the Blockheads. Jemima, the dancer from Soho, was making her way down the lane. Baxter from Harrow had fruit on his barrow He sold it for love and for gain Baxter said, hello, young woman My pippins are lovely today Well, don't be suspicious of golden delicious Whatever your granny might say They're only apples Red and green from Soho Took ages to make up her mind Baxter said Madam, you'd know if you'd had them That these are the very best kind This is the pick of the orchard Forgive me a figure of speech Apples aren't easier Just don't grow on trees, dear And this one is really a peach They're only Picked out a green apple He polished it up on his sleeve Now do me a favour And savour the flavour Of what you're about to receive Jemima the dancer from Soho Accepted his gift with a grin She took a nibble And there was a dribble Of apple juice all over her chin Share only Red and 
Lovely, ripe and juicy and especially for you Right off me barra, me old cock sparrow Ian Dury and the Blockheads. That is Apples, a very nice, innocent song. We are always all about that here. It's on the album New Boots and Panties, which came out in 1977. That's actually on a deluxe two-CD expanded edition of it. And that was actually an import from Canada on True North Records. So I don't know if you can get that song, Apples, anywhere else. But you can get apples just about anywhere in the United States. Apples are pretty common. You can buy them and eat them and make pies out of them. So that's something we feel that you might want to consider. Now, this is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food. I want to mention Found Magazine, Davy Rothbart's Found Magazine, which may not have anything to do with food at all. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Found Magazine, which in which Davy Rothbart of Ann Arbor encourages people to find stuff on the ground, notes and letters and envelopes with stuff written on them and pictures and to send them, send them to him and then he will compile them into a magazine called Found. And the sixth issue is just coming out. It actually is out some places. And there is a, a, a magazine release party coming up this Friday. That's tomorrow at the Elks Lodge. That is at 220 Sunset Road in Ann Arbor. It's a release party for Found Magazine number 6, featuring DJs Dyke House, Noah C., and DJ Irwin Plus. That's from 9 p.m. until 2 a.m. And that's on Elks Lodge. Here's a bit of directions. is. Take Main Street North, left on Summit, first right on Wildet, W-I-L-D-T, Wildet, left on Sunset. Well, I hope that was very helpful. Foundmagazine.com has more information on that. Now, I ate haggis for the first time, and so I feel that finally I'm actually qualified to do a food show. This Monday I had the day off, and it was a gray and chilly and kind of crummy day, and I thought, well, what am I going to do? There ain't nothing happening around town. So... I went off to Windsor and found Kildare House, which is an old house that I believe was built or designed by Johnny Walker of Johnny Walker, the alcoholic drink fame. Kildare House serves haggis, and as far as I know, it's the nearest place where you can sit in a restaurant and eat haggis. And perhaps you're wondering, but why? Here's the thing. Haggis, if you didn't know, is a traditional Scottish dish. There are many recipes. This is according to Wikipedia. Most of the recipes have in common the following ingredients. Sheep's pluck is one of the main ingredients, which is the heart, liver, and lungs of the sheep. Those were not in there, the heart, liver, and lungs. But 
This is mixed with onion, oatmeal, suet, spices, and salt, mixed with stock, and traditionally boiled in the animal's stomach for approximately three hours. That would be the sheep's stomach. Haggis somewhat resembles stuffed intestines, pig intestines otherwise known as chitterlings or the kokoretsi of traditional Balkan cuisine. As the 2001 English edition of the La Russe Gastronomique puts it, although its description is not immediately appealing, no kidding, haggis has an excellent nutty texture and delicious savory flavor. Most modern commercial haggis is prepared in a casing rather than an actual stomach. There are also meat-free recipes for vegetarians. What I had did have meat in it, as a matter of fact, beef and pork. It was not cooked in a stomach. It did not contain any hearts, liver, or lungs. It was a kind of a tasty thing in the very, very vaguely general category of something somewhat resembling, but not really. Where, where am I going with this? It's not like shepherd's pie. What I'm saying is, it's, if you eat shepherd's pie, it's not like that, but it is kind of. One thing that I had the most difficulty with, though, was the suet. What is suet? I'm here to tell you what suet is all about. Suet is a form of animal fat similar to lard, but usually sold in shredded form. Suet is the solid white fat found around the kidneys and loins of beef, sheep, and other animals. Traditionally used in British cooking, particularly in dumplings, suet puddings, and some pastries. Now, once again, we had the vegetable haggis we mentioned a moment ago. A vegetable version of suet is now commonly available, made from an oil such as palm oil, and usually combined with rice flour, which can be directly substituted for the animal fat version in recipes. Well, I don't think it was vegetable suet in my non-vegetable haggis. I think it was suet suet. And uh, the texture, I don't know, but suet is used to hold the thing together, and there you go. Now, I spoke to the fellow, a good fellow behind the bar, a Scots-Canadian by the name of Kit McElvoy, And I told him this was my first time ever eating haggis. And you could say that he congratulated me, but he also said that now I need to eat real haggis. So he said that basically the haggis in their restaurant is from Toronto. It's frozen because for health reasons, you have to freeze it. You can't just transport it. And, you know, you got to keep it fresh. you got to keep it safe and all that stuff. Haggis needs to be safe, as, as we all know. But nevertheless, it was from Toronto and frozen and brought over. And he said the way to get real haggis is to go to a place in Detroit, even, in Redford Township, to a place called Ackroyd's. And Ackroyd's Scotch Bakery and Sausage, this place is in Redford Township on Five Mile Road. You can get, he said, this is where he gets haggis. So there you go. He gets haggis there. They actually, it's a bakery, this place, and they make a haggis, which you can take home and cook yourself. And he says that he recommends that. So I'm going to have to try that out, and we're going to talk about it on the show. But we've talked about haggis. We've talked about sheep's stomachs and all those beautiful things. We'd like to dedicate the next song to those who have sacrificed so that we might eat haggis. Sheep to the slaughter Oh, I thought this must be love All your sons and daughters Clothes. The spot of kings, the old queen's eye, the 
Such a strange sound, wouldn't you say? Well, that, of course, is naturally, what would you expect? An accordion recorded backwards. Naturally, an accordion recorded backwards, which has been a staple of rock music for quite a long time. Elvis Costello and the attractions with Big Sister's Clothes. The first line was Sheep to the Slaughter. Therefore, I had to play it because I'm talking about haggis. And... What's interesting is Elvis was talking about the sessions and saying, well, we were experimenting with this and that and the other thing, and we got the, uh, what, what would it sound like we figured to have, a, to have an accordion backwards? Well, it sounds like an accordion. <laughs> Very exciting and anticlimactic, isn't it? But uh, nonetheless, Christmas is coming up, no kidding. But the Feast of St. Nicholas just recently happened. We heard about Fat Daddy, who is Santa Claus, as we heard earlier. Uh, this Feast of St. Nicholas must be for him, December 6th. This from one of my desk calendars, so you know it's serious. It was traditional in many churches to elect a boy bishop. Chosen by his peers, often from the choir, the boy would be given the full trappings of bishop, robes, pastoral staff, and all, and would be fitted wherever he went. Boy bishops were able to perform all the roles of real bishops, including preaching, and they often appointed friends as canons. Records of boy bishops extend back to 1299, but the practice was suppressed during the reign of Henry VIII and had pretty much disappeared by the time of Elizabeth I. The boy bishop tradition seems to be one of the many Christmas time customs which champion the inversion of the normal order. Wow, talk about championing the inversion of the normal order. Normally, I'm disorderly, but there you go. Lords of Misrule, Lords of Misrule commonly challenged the established hierarchy of a community, and in the army it is still customary for officers to serve soldiers at meals on Christmas Day. So, Christmas is all about upturning the order, inversion of the moral order, the normal order, and it's all very amoral and immoral, and there you go. Now, we were talking about suet earlier, but what sounds like suet? Well, that would be sud. I saw this in, I was looking in the 1974 Webster's Dictionary, just grooving to my eight tracks, you know what I'm saying? Um, And, uh, yeah, so I saw the word sud, S-U-D-D. Sud is Arabic for obstruction. it's, It's described here as floating vegetable matter that forms obstructive masses in the upper White Nile. The Nile forms the sud because it enters a land of almost absolute flatness. The sud is thick with reeds, grasses, water hyacinth, and often and other water-loving plants. These can form massive blocks of vegetation that can shift position and block navigable channels, creating an ever-changing network of water. Sometimes there's no channel a boat can travel on that will lead through the bog on the Nile. Boats carry saws and chains to clear the floating islands of plants from the channel when the way through the area becomes lost. But every so often you just can't take it anymore and you just got to become lazy about the sud.
Boy, that brings back Christmas memories. When I was a kid, we used to sit around the campfire that we would start in the middle of the room and we would listen to that song and watch as our belongings burned. It was very therapeutic, and I don't know what I'm talking about. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. Coming up in just under 10 minutes, Arbolf will help us to face the music. We seem to have a British theme today on Pandora's Lunchbox, and that was John Lydon, John Rotten, Johnny Rotten, and the Sex Pistols with their subtle metaphorical song about the sud that is on the upper white nile as i explained earlier the sud is thick with reeds grasses water hyacinth and other water loving plants and blocks the nile people on boats carry saws and chains to clear clear it up but it's very hard to clear up because it's so lazy i'm a lazy sud boy that is just one of the most metaphorical and lyrical lyrics one of the most lyrical lyrics uh, the sex pills has ever did and i'm gonna shut up now but speaking of shutting up <clears throat> more more British stuff here. Now, good thing to know is that you can actually get haggis-flavored ice creams <laughs> in London, England, and that's something I know you'll want to do. Hop on the jet and get there right away. Ice creams tasting like sausage and mash and Yorkshire pudding have gone on sale at a posh store in London, England. They were among the 20 flavors picked to represent Britain, including Eccles cake, clotted cream, pork pie, Cornish pasties, haggis, of course, and Lancashire hot pot. The ice creams have gone on sale at Morelli's Parlor in London's Harrods. Kathy Gwinnett of LaterRooms.com, which commissioned them, praised British cuisine and said, We are spoilt for choice. They're not spoiled. That's what we are Americans. But they are spoilt for choice. Now, I took notice of the term Eccles cakes, and I figured I'd better look that up rather than say, Oh, Eccles cakes. I'm sure I know what you know that I know what that is, but I don't. So Eccles cakes, this is from Wikipedia, which is the fount of all knowledge. Eccles cakes are named after the English town of Eccles in Salford. It's not known who invented the recipe, but James Birch is credited with being the first person to sell Eccles cakes on a commercial basis, which he sold from his shop at the corner of Vicarage Road and St. Mary's Road. Wow, we got a religious connection. Once again, Christmas, I don't know, Vicarage Road and St. Mary's Road, now known as Church Street, mm -hmm, in the town center in 1793. Okay, so Eccles cake sounds very good. It has currants in it. It actually has uh, some delicious currants in the cake. But just in case you wanted to think that that was delicious, they have to go and give it nicknames. Nicknames for the Eccles cake include squashed fly cake and fly cake or even a fly's graveyard, <laughs> owing to the appearance of the currants that it contains. And that reminds me of Christmas at home, too. Now, speaking of sod, we were talking about sud earlier, but sod, there is a group called Stormtroopers of Death, S-O-D. Couldn't find a record. I'm terribly sorry. I know you're gravely disappointed. They're commonly credited as being among the first bands to fuse hardcore punk with thrash metal into a style sometimes called crossover thrash. This is Wikipedia. They've also been a subject of controversy due to their politically incorrect lyrics, in particular a track named Speak English or Die. The British band Concrete Socks responded to the aforementioned song with a parody entitled Speak Serbian or Die. And I couldn't find that either, sadly. But here's something you should know, actually, that speaking of Christmas and speaking of St. Mary's and speaking of Haggis, coming up this December 12th, which is going to be tomorrow. December 12th is tomorrow, I think. Yes, I, I believe it is. December 12th is tomorrow. Unsilent Night is coming to... Nichols Arcade and around Ann Arbor. I got this flyer last week at the Shadow Art Fair. Unsilent Night is a free outdoor ambient music event started in New York City in 1992, a citywide march with boomboxes carrying a separate track of the holiday-inspired music. The participants become a block-long sound system. 
So this starts at Nickel Arcade, Nickel's Arcade at 7.30 p.m. No singing, it says. Family friendly. My God, no more singing, please. You can look this up at unsilentnight.com and find out all about it. That's what you can do, as a matter of fact. And that's what you can do. You can also go, if you want, to the Found Magazine CD, <laughs> CD release party. It's the magazine release, the Found Magazine magazine release party for the magazine. That's at the Elks Lodge in Ann Arbor tomorrow at from 9 to 2 a.m. So you can go to the Unsilent Night, then go to the Unholy Found Magazine number 6 party. This has been Pandora's Munch, Munchbox. I've been like for a while now. And coming up next, Arwolf will help you to face the music. But first of all, you're going to have to face this one for just a moment. This is a recording from the American Song Poem Christmas. This is a beautiful album, subtitled Daddy is Santa Really Six Foot Four. These are people who saw those ads that said, we will publish your song. We'll make your song a hit for $450. And so they'd take your song, write a melody to it, get a session band, and press 245s and send them to you and go, okay, you're a star. So somebody collected these all onto one collection of Christmas tunes, and this one is Randall Reed with the Forerunners and the Peppermint Stick Man. Please listen very closely. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike. Thank you for being you. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Mike, that was just incredible. You're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, 88.3 megahertz. It's 7 o'clock. 
And my name is R. Wolf. It's time for Face the Music. In case you're wondering what in the hell that was, um, this was something that Mike thought that all of us needed to experience. The pepper sti- the, the peppermint stick man and the people responsible for it were Randall Reed with the Forerunners. That is really something. A uh, sort of a bonzo dog band approach to confection. Thanks, Mike. What a guy. I'm so happy to uh, come on here every week after Mike. I want to thank Ed Space Shuttle for covering for me last week. I also want to extend my sympathies to Mr. Ed, who is recovering from a back injury. And so I believe that our our amazing program director, Kristen, will be filling in for Ed Special tonight on Special Ed at 8 o'clock. Till then, you're stuck with me, and I thought it would be strangely appropriate to give you a Paul Whiteman record to open up Face the Music. This is your national anthem. I chose it because, um, well, because I felt like it, but also because it has a very silly solo in the middle of it. I don't know what they're doing. It sounds like they maybe they took the mouthpiece off the saxophone and just blew into the sax like, <sighs> like that. So um, listen for that delightful element in this stupid record made long ago by Paul Whiteman. Now maybe I'll tell you all about the uh, the rumble where Paul Whiteman got in a, uh, a fist fight with his drummer, or maybe not. Oh. 